guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I am Sam. I am a nurse, powerlifter, podcaster, and co-host of The Selfie Show. Today, we are getting a little bit further into the Redonda Vaught trial mm-hmm. and just the shortcomings of our healthcare system in general. Yeah, I feel like that's something that we have been talking about a lot in terms of just Sam and I really trying to highlight what's going on in the profession as a whole um, and how we can help start the conversations to improve it. That's something that we're very passionate about. Um, Today, we're going to be doing sort of a recap and all the takeaways that Nurse Erica took while she was there during, um, during the trial and just some things that she felt like we can, you know, learn and continue and how to improve our profession. Yeah. So this is not our traditional full length uh, episode that we give with our whole unpopular opinion and all the yada yada. We're just going to honestly get straight into it because unpopular opinion, healthcare is fucking bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) And we're dealing with a lot of bullshit. Um, Yeah. And that's not unpopular by any means. That's true. I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. So we're just feeling it. We're feeling it a little bit this week. You know, there's a lot coming down on on the healthcare profession. And before we get into our interview with nurse Erica, we both just want to touch on the Christian Ganey trial because it's absurd. I have a whole grudge again, not even grudge. I've, I have had a large disdain for skilled nursing facilities since I got into this profession. When I even started my, um, career in healthcare. When I was a nursing student, I was a home health aide before I was a CNA. And one of the people that hired me as a home health aide was to go be like almost a sitter at a skilled nursing facility for this like elderly woman. It's like the family privately hired me because they didn't feel like their mom was getting enough attention at the facility she was at. And just walking in those places, I was like, this is hell. Yeah. Skilled nursing facilities, senior care facilities, are absolute hell insane the ratios that they get i mean for a little backstory on this so this is a former nurse at philadelphia senior care facility she is pleading guilty to a misdemeanor neglect of care dependent person and tampering with records in 2018 long story short this nurse had 39 patients that's criminal in itself that not against her is in yeah absolutely it's not against her this is against the facility i mean this is is criminal on the facility's behalf that they are putting staff in that environment and putting their license in danger like that and that patients are paying money and the government medicaid Mm -hmm. and all that is like medicare is putting paying for people to be here and this is what they're paying for right their money is going to that if you even break down an eight-hour shift and you have 39 patients. I'm not a mathematician, but I read somewhere, someone like broke it down. It's like, that's enough for like one minute and like 40 something seconds right. to spend with each patient. Like Yeah, which is, ins- you know, what's crazy too is like, you know, we're paying into healthcare and we're paying into all of these, all of these things. And then that's the type of care that's, you know, the trickle down effect. But run it's, the it's finances insane. of these companies. Like right. How much right. is the CEO Where's making the money going? of these yeah. senior care facilities, these skilled nursing facilities? How much mm-hmm. money is the top making? Yeah. Because they're grossly underpaying. It's like usually they'll have one RN on the shift that covers like a hundred something residents. And then they right. have LPNs like Christian that has mm-hmm. 39 patients. And then it's like they'll have one CNA to right. help the whole story whatever it is and but it's yeah absolutely 
absurd that one patients aren't getting the standard of care that they are not only are paying for but that they deserve and that also you're making these people risk their license and therefore their livelihood yeah clearly and she's definitely not getting paid enough for this no it's absolutely not and this is a systemic failure in healthcare that is failing the staff failing the patients and i'm not going to even touch on the fact of like did she falsify charting yes no she pled guilty to it so like that's neither here nor there in my opinion i bottom line she shouldn't have even been in the position where she felt like she had to do that right because she shouldn't have that many patients and where is the legislation where are the laws protecting patients and protecting staff there needs to be government mandated Mm -hmm. ratios Mm -hmm. bottom line yeah absolutely and these are the two these are two cases going on right now that we just wanted to highlight and this one we did want to talk about as well just because we felt like it was really important i mean you guys know here like we want to make change we want to start having these conversations we want to start highlighting these platforming these types of things that way we can start moving forward how can we move forward as a profession getting involved starting to create change starting lobbying starting to get involved you know these are things that i think we've been sitting back yeah. for for a long time remember and this come election time yep what who, who are, are you voting for who are you voting for because Absolutely. are they supporting this and then honestly we as a profession have to just demand better yeah stop working for these places that are gonna give you these poor work environments right now finally honestly for a while we haven't had the upper hand when there's like not been this quote unquote nursing shortage. I know when I became a nurse 10 years ago, was, it was harder to find jobs. Yeah, for sure. Like the new grad rate was too. really hard for new grads to get jobs. Now it's like sign on bonus everywhere. So it's be picky. Yeah. Don't, don't let them have, like we hold the power and we need to take that power back and say, we're not going to, we're not going to work for you in these unsafe conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, these are the types of things that we just really want to be talking about. So um, we are really thrilled to get into it with Nurse Erica Day so today. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on. If you haven't listened to our previous episode with Erica, like go listen to it because it gives you a great background on her and how she's been fighting the good fight for nurses for a long time now. No, I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad it worked out timing wise. Yes. So I mean, really, obviously, it's hot on the news. Everyone's talking about it's literally in the actual news, uh, the Redonda Vought case and trial. And you were actually there in person in the courtroom every single day. And that's why we wanted to bring you back today to actually give there, you know, it's so easy for everyone to have our opinions right that weren't there but to actually have someone that can give us kind of insider knowledge the insider scoop so let's go back okay to your decision to leave like because you kind of did this on a whim like I was literally watching your TikTok one morning and you were like okay so um I have this idea and I want to go like where did this all start like how did tell us about that side of everything So a year ago or so last year when she had her state board of nursing hearing, I covered that. I did a whole huge in-depth series and that was the first time that a lot of people had even heard about the case. And so I knew back then that the date was, you know, was scheduled already for the criminal trial. I knew it was coming. I kept kind of thinking for the last month, I'd really like to go. I don't know if it's going to work out with work, with money. I'm probably, you know, I kept wavering. Should I go? I can't go. Should I go? Finally, it came down to the line and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to go. And I just said it on a TikTok and, you know, maybe 
partially hoping, but not really expecting anything. And everyone just came through clutch. It was amazing. Amazing. So luckily I had enough time off at work that cause I haven't taken a vacation in forever, uh, that I could do that. And everyone just really what helped cover those last minute costs. I know, I know, <laughs> but I literally posted that on a Saturday night and I was in court Monday morning. I was on a plane like 12 hours later. It was nuts. Yeah. So was the trial as long as you expected it to be? Or like, how long did you kind of expect it no, to go? No, I thought it was going to go two weeks. I really did. Because prior to it starting, the prosecution had said they anticipate taking through Friday. So a full week just for their half. So I thought, okay, two weeks is an estimate. And when it got down to the last day of the trial, I don't think anyone expected that to be the last day of the trial until I was there in the courtroom talking to someone before it started. And they said, they only have like two witnesses left. It could end today. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not ready for this. <laughs> and it did. It did. It's all happening so fast. Yeah. Were you also surprised by how quickly they reached a verdict? Yeah. 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 I mean, I kind of thought it might be a full day, maybe two days. And it was about three hours. So yeah, yeah, I mean that's hindsight now knowing what the verdict is. You know, it it, it kind of makes you mad. Like did they really take the time to look into everything thoroughly or were they just right. done with it and wanting to be out? So can you give us a, like a little behind the scenes of like beginning of your week there versus end of the week, like, what was it like for you in terms of just, you know, being in the courtroom and, you know, just the progression of the week? Yeah, the beginning of the week, there was no press there at all. There was hardly any people in the courtroom watching. Um, there was maybe two other nurses other than me and her friends that are nurses. Uh, very little attention. And by the end of the week, there were reporters all the way down the hallway outside the courtroom. It was live streaming, of course. There was international press attention, and it was full in there. So within five days, it went from relatively unknown or no one cared to this massive story. Well, I mean, it is a massive story. I think the more and I feel like your Instagram did a really good job of putting it out there, but the case really goes so deep. So to you, what are some of the most profound aspects of the case that you kind of have summarized over the last couple of weeks? You know, the fact that they released the private privileged Veritas reports, right? That's, that's huge. In my perception, that almost gives her grounds for an appeal right there or grounds to, possibly sue Vanderbilt. And I don't know that she's going to do that, but that that's huge. Can you, you know explain what that is? Yeah. Can you take yeah. this? Back? I, actually, that would be really great to explain. So it, it's an incident report. You know, every facility has it and they call it different things, right? So theirs is a system known as a Veritas report. And literally when you log in, the the first screen you get is this whole blurb about how this is private, this is confidential, this is only used for QI. Mm. It's never going to be released or used punitively in any way. Well, of course they did all of that. <laughs> and they didn't wow. just release her Veritas report for this incident with the Vecuronium. They released all of her Veritas reports. So like 
one from dietary delivering trays late a year and a half prior that had nothing in the world to do with this. And then they also released one of the Radtech's Veritas report for this incident. So it wasn't like a, oops, it slipped out with the rest of the paperwork. This was obviously a concerted, we are going to release all of the Veritas reports, right? Right, right. Which again, I think our biggest concern as a nursing and healthcare community is the just culture and like Mm -hmm. what that does to that going forward in our profession. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why would anyone report anything in the future in an incident report there, especially knowing that they a have a history of this and B they could be fired. They could be reported to the state board. They could lose their license. They could be criminally. Why would you report anything? And of course the net result of that is patient harm, right? If we're not reporting things, then we don't know about things and we can't fix things. So there will inevitably be repeat events, whether that means patient death or serious complication. Right. It's like, it's so interesting because I think one of the big things that Sam and I have talked about is the idea of in this particular situation, really learning from it, right? I think that's sort of the big picture here is how can we actually do better in the future? And I think that everyone's kind of missing like that big global idea here, right? It's like, how do we move forward from this in a better way? And it's just, I just don't understand. I, we have a lot of questions to get into, but one of the, the big questions I actually have for you that you just brought up today is the Board of Nursing and Vanderbilt re-reported this. Yeah. So can you give a little recap of this? Because I think this is actually really interesting. And you were speaking to this on TikTok, I believe, today. Kind of yesterday. even just a timeline recap yeah. for people that yeah. have been trying to piece this whole thing together. Right. So one thing that I didn't know that I learned from Redonda, and I haven't even uh, said any of this on my social media yet, is when they terminated her, they set, you know, they they gave her the piece of paper saying you're terminated. She said it was a very like benign letter. They really tried to point out that it was for failure to follow their medication administration policy and not because it resulted in a patient death. But they bookended it with, we will have to report this to the State Board of Nursing, but you're not going to hear from them for several months. Which, okay, she at the time she's in shock, right? So she's not digesting that. But how would they possibly know the timeline of the State Board of Nursing, right? They might have an idea, but they can't. Why would they confidently say you're not going to hear from them for months? That's that's so suspicious, right? They don't know how backlogged they might be or any of that. Well, it just so happens that they ended up finally reporting her for the first time to the State Board immediately after the family of the victim signed NDAs and they came to a settlement out of court. That's why they knew it was going to be months because they knew that it was going to take them a while to tie that all up with the family. Yep. So I guess like, okay. And I don't know if you can speak to this. How is that even legal? Like that doesn't make sense to me. I know. You know, if, if in, it it, it literally does not make sense. If you are, essentially, you know, paying the family. How does this make any sense? Well, because it's not Vanderbilt pushing criminal charges. It's the state, which is why Mm -hmm. the whole thing is. Yeah, it's it's the district attorney's office. I really don't think that Vanderbilt had 
any intention for this to be tried criminally. I think in some ways they are surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are, they certainly did wrong. Yeah. They, they did wrong. And even afterwards, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're absolutely hurting as a result. Their public image. Congratulations. You played yourself because now everyone is saying, okay, yes, Redonda fucked up, but Mm -hmm. we're completely missing the fact of what Vanderbilt did. So they really, you're just put a giant might like, what is that fucking called? A magnifying glass right. on mm-hmm. yourself. I, so I have a question. So, okay. In a perfect world, you know, obviously the state is bringing this to the situation. What could Vanderbilt have done rather than like, what would, what was in a perfect world? Like what could they have done to make this a better situation for every you know, obviously for Redonda, but is there anything else they could have done? I don't know. Yeah, they could have practiced just culture, right? So they could have suspended her. They could have given her mandatory uh, education. They they could have done any number of things. They chose to skip from one to 10 and go directly to termination, right? So that's not just culture at all. And from my understanding, they have a an algorithm for their just culture that they went through. And some of it, you you can understand, okay, why they would say yay or nay. But then they got to the part that said, is the person involved, like, can you remediate them? Are, are, is it possible to educate them to prevent reoccurrence? And they said no. Why? Why? So you're saying she, what, doesn't have two brain cells that she couldn't be educated? It's ridiculous. Of course, she could have been educated. Of course, she could have been. But they said no. So that's not that's the polar opposite of just culture. Well, and aside from well, actually, can you explain what just culture is to maybe people Mm -hmm. listening that don't know what that phrase is when we throw it out there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it basically is an environment that is safe and conducive to reporting any errors or near misses for the purpose of preventing any reoccurrence, right? So the theory behind it is it's not that the person involved made an error or a near miss. It's that the procedures in or policies that are in place allowed for them to make that error or near miss. So we need to fix the policy or procedure, the practice that's in place so we can prevent reoccurrence. And we can't do that if people don't report it and they won't report it if they don't feel safe. So we need to foster this safe environment so they will report it. It's yeah, interesting too cuz I I did speak on this on the last episode, but the very similar case that you presented um of a PICU nurse who gave a lethal dose of I believe it was phenobarb and infant lost their life mm-hmm. and rather than repercussion, that nurse became the educator and she started you know, teaching about medication administration. And so she became a large part in that organization of improving what happened in that case. And I think that that's a perfect example of, you know, of comparison to what Redonda's case is like, you know, I think it's just so, so interesting the way that this, no one is disputing the fact that what she did was a major error that caused absolutely a death like no one is disputing that she lost her license she lost her job 
it's to me coming down to who's going to now start to be the one that cherry picks, which ones become criminally liable, which ones don't. And again, we can get into the state and the district Mm -hmm. attorney. And I kind of want you to touch on that and give us your insight being in the courtroom. But the people pressing charges have zero medical training and knowledge. And now they're pressing charges on people. So again, we are so people that are like, she deserves that and she is guilty and she was negligent it's like i get what you're saying and they're kind of like i don't understand why people are defending her and i'm like Mm -hmm. it's you're looking at it at a micro level Mm -hmm. and not at the macro level exactly for healthcare and our nursing profession and at the end of the day you're opening up the door to say hey the state who has zero medical training can now cherry pick and choose which cases they feel meet criminal negligence to prosecute. And that's and not only nurses medical. Yes. So we're going into physicians, we're going into surgeons, we're going into anesthesiology, we're going in, we're opening up a whole can of worms for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. They're not looking at it globally. And so let me let me give you a hypothetical. You know, they they have um, for CPR now the pads that we put on the patient. The newer ones hold memory regarding like rate and depth, right? So it's a slippery slope. Who's to say down the line they don't charge a nurse or another medical professional and say you caused or you facilitated this patient's death because you didn't perform compressions at the rate or at the depth that you were taught CPR. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, the DA wants to say over and over and over again, it's like his catchphrase. Now, this is not an indictment against the entire nursing profession, but it absolutely is. This is not an isolated. It sets a precedent. Exactly. It's not an isolated incident. Yeah. Yes. This was an extreme case. Yes. We're talking about a paralytic and it resulted in a fatality. Yes. It's extreme. But now that you have the precedent, it's not always going to be that extreme. I really believe that the errors in the future are going to become less and less severe and more commonplace type errors. So it is very well, concerning. Then always be able to cite this case. Like, mm-hmm. I exactly. I plan on getting like a lawyer on here in the future to really go into the law because that's, you know, none of our actual expertise. But you know, once there's a legal precedent set, future cases can cite, oh, the like state of Tennessee, Tennessee versus, versus Redon. Exactly. Yep. And Tennessee versus Vought and this blah, 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 this precedent. And they're going to use like, that's, that's what is concerning. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I'm really curious about this. We actually got quite a few questions about this. Do you have any information or maybe an understanding of who potentially tipped off CMS? Like who was the whistleblower? Do we have an idea of the whistleblower, the motive behind this? All right. I have to say as someone who spent the last five years working in nursing education, no BS here. Picmonic is legit. Absolutely. I have used it and I can tell you honestly, you guys, it is so effective. So Picmonic is an audio visual learning platform designed for healthcare students. So that's including RNs, MDs, DOs, CNAs, LPNs, NPs. This is the study tool of choice for learning for thousands of the most difficult to remember and most frequent frequently tested topics, board exam prep, and also it uses questions centered around evidence-based learn review quiz formats. 
So they're quick and effective two-minute little Picmonic videos. They help you really just connect the dots, tie the facts together, reinforce what you've already learned, but really prepare you for these multiple choice quizzes. They also have an NCLEX workbook and nursing cheat sheets. I'm telling you, listen. Absolutely. Clinical instructor, yeah. nursing professor approved right here. It's really fun too, you guys. I've actually used it and I will say this. Like they have so many amazing things. Like they have a polar bear that they use for polarizing. Like they just the way that they do it and use the characters. It's so fun. Join over 1 million students who have used their quick and effective picture mnemonic study aids to boost your performance in school. And guess what? Of course, we have an amazing code for you guys. If you guys use the code SELFIE, head over to www.picmonic.com and use our code you're going to get 20% off again head over to www.picmonic.com use code selfie for 20% off of your order love that for you love that for you yeah I I believe I know who it is and I'm going to save that for myself <laughs> I'm sorry Probably good. Allegedly, allegedly. I don't want to. I, I am going to make a video with that soon. Um, and I, but I will say that okay. it changed. I originally. Follow Nurse Erica for all the real tea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got to hold on to something. I originally thought that it was a, a Vanderbilt employee because if you read the anonymous report. It's clearly a medical professional, right? They use terminology. And it's clearly someone that's knowledgeable about Vanderbilt because they use the term help all nurse. And you know, that's not like a universal thing for nursing, right? That's specific to Vanderbilt. So I thought, okay, it's got to be a Vanderbilt employee. Um, and perhaps it's someone that really meant to do to do the right thing that they, you know, wanted to hold Vanderbilt accountable. That's why they reported Vanderbilt to CMS, not necessarily charge this nurse criminally. You know, that's what I thought. My opinion has changed. It's, it's nowhere near that. I uh, went through it with Redonda and she kind of just laid it out in a time. She didn't say the whistleblower is, she laid out the whole thing in order. And I was like, oh my God, that's who it is. And she's like, yep. Yeah, so I will be sharing that soon. And, you know, of course, there's no way to know for certain, really. But it seems pretty darn obvious who it is. Okay, okay. Can you kind of give us a little rundown of Vanderbilt and their lack of reporting and then all of the sudden reporting and just where, yeah. So they are not required, an organization is not required to report the incident itself, but they are absolutely required to report the plan of correction. And they have a set amount of time in which to do that. They blatantly disregarded that. It wasn't like a, oops, we forgot. They blatantly chose to not report the plan of correction. So when CMS uh, was tipped off and they came in. And of course, this is way, way, way after the fact, after it had happened months and months and months later, uh, CMS came in unannounced and they were like, oh shit, we, we've got to get things in place to show that we have a plan of correction. So they literally went about creating the plan of correction simultaneous to writing it all out and giving it to CMS. I think they had like two weeks in which they need to give everything to CMS. So they forced, for example, their employees 
to do a ton of mandatory education. And they gave him two weeks and literally said, don't come back if you don't do this. So even nurses that were, say, out on maternity leave or on vacation, too bad, so sad, log in and do however many hours of mandatory education because they had to hand it over to CMS. So all the stuff that they did, like uh, now in the Pixis, you can't just look up uh, vecuronium or rocuronium. You have to put in paralyzing agent vecuronium, like that kind of stuff and the extra um, labels of paralyzing agent, all that. None of that happened until CMS showed up and said, two weeks, prove it. And they scrambled to do it. Um, We had a lot of questions as well about the expert nurse. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, God help us all. Yes. God help us all. Um, She looks like a Donna Jones. She totally looks like a Donna Jones. Also a Karen. Um, What is your thought? How do they go about picking someone like her. You know, like, this, I had that idea? I had that conversation with a nurse outside the courtroom during a break. And cuz that really bothered me. I'm like, how of all the nurses, this is who they chose to represent us. Are you kidding me? Right. And he goes, I'm like, can we please have Erica on the stand? I, I was nurse so Erica like, put, stand, me in coach, coach, coach put me in coach. Put me in coach. It yeah, was killing yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, let's okay. She doesn't have an advanced I mean, did degree. She even ever, has she ever used a Pixis in her life? Has she ever charted or on a computer? Or, yeah. Maybe like, at the, the tail end, end of her like, career, but not much. Like, you know damn well she left the bedside when they were like, hey, we're switching to electronic yeah. charting. She was like, peace, I'm out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. On. She's, she's, you know, I got a lot of, a lot of flack for saying she's older than God, but I mean, she's been a nurse longer than I've been alive. <laughs> So like, come on, uh, right? Yeah. Um, I just can rocks. say in 10 years of being a nurse, it is a drastically different culture and then we, when, then we when I started, not even yep. culture, just the science, the technology. I started on paper charting as a nursing student and as CNA, I did paper charting. So I was a nurse before meds barcode scanning. Mm-hmm. I was a super user for medication. She scanning. was, she was. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just an entirely different world. Mm-hmm. So yeah. years of experience doesn't necessarily equate to expert if you're not in touch with real time. Yeah. So she, first of all, how, how does an expert nurse, um, not have an advanced degree and not to be like a degree snob or anything, Absolutely. but if you're calling yourself a, an expert, wouldn't you expect that they would have like something. a master's or, or a DMP or something. Right. So she said on this, yeah, something she said on the stand that she got her ADN and then she really misled us because I'm pretty sure I need to go back and watch it, but I'm pretty sure she said she, she then subsequently got her bachelor's, which of course we all assumed was a BSN. But when you go on her LinkedIn, her bachelor's is in like communications or something. So this is an associate degree prepared nurse. That's an expert nurse that hasn't touched a patient in God knows how long, but in talking to another nurse, when I was really racking my brain about this, going, how could they pick her? How could they pick her of all the nurses in the world? And the nurse I was speaking to said, who else is going to do it? Who else would have stepped up to criminally, to testify in, against a nurse criminally? It's one thing to pay a nurse off to testify civilly, and then you have insurance, and you know, but to be the first one to testify against a nurse criminally and yeah. possibly have them face prison time. Who's going to do that? 
I don't know anyone that would do that. Right. So I, I really think it was slim pickings and that's all they could get. And for the record, I am like, okay with, with civil lawsuits. I don't, I think that we're a highly yeah. litigious country and some of them are bullshit, but also, also, times also where I will they're, say this. They're, I am here for if a, if they had chosen a nurse, in my humble opinion, who let's say that didn't agree with or was on the side of, you know, the prosecution. Mm -hmm. Fine. But at least make them a, a, a credible nurse who actually understands what's going on and the ins and outs of modern day nursing. Like you have to actually be able to speak right. to that. There's plenty of other nurses out there that I know who actually you know, they don't side with Redonna. They think that, you know, like it is what it is, right? But at least know what's going on in modern day healthcare and nursing and be able to speak to it. Yeah. I was just shocked that they, this was the person. I, I think chose. we were all shocked. And in a lot of states, my understanding is that a legal nurse consultant has to be currently working, currently in practice. I don't know if that's not the case in Tennessee. I didn't get a chance to check, but Clearly, she is out of touch with the reality of nursing yeah. today. Clearly. Yeah absolutely. yeah, absolutely. That was... It was just embarrassing. Um, do you have any updates on how the closed Vanderbilt meeting went? Yeah, so there's still one more tonight, I believe. Um, so oh. I've gotten a lot of... Um, I would say the majority is negative, but I have gotten... Uh, some feedback from nurses that are like, you know, they're actually taking accountability. They seem to be very remorseful. Uh, one thing I did think was interesting is at least in one of the meetings, according to a nurse, the, uh, who was it? The, maybe it might've been the risk manager or someone said, you know, uh, all I'm going to say is that DA is running for reelection. Do with that what you want. So there was clear animosity <laughs> on Vanderbilt's part towards the district attorney's office, which I think is interesting, right? Because we never have witnessed that component of it. But a lot of the nurses are saying that, you know, they just they felt it was like some gaslighting and damage control and, you know, just they're only doing this because they're being pressured to do it now. And, you know, they just came out today with a statement a couple hours ago. I haven't even read it yet. But why is Vanderbilt hmm. the last hospital literally in the country to come out with a position statement on this when it happened at their facility? <laughs> I clearly they're only doing it because all of their employees are going, why aren't you saying anything? Where's your position statement? You know? Yeah, right. it's scary. I wouldn't want to be a nurse in there or in the state of Tennessee, to be honest. Yeah, know that, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very nerve wracking to feel like you don't ha you literally have no one in your court. You know, you your hostel can't back you. Obviously, the politicians are not going to back you. Yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I did get to meet a lot of nurses when I was there. And a lot of them are younger nurses. And they all echoed that and said, you know, it, it's really, really frightening. Like we don't feel safe working there and we just don't know what to do about it. My understanding is there's only three major health systems there. And of course the biggest one is Vanderbilt and then there's HCA and there's another one I forget. And they all will kind of work together to blacklist someone, you know, so they really live in fear of not just losing a job, but not being able to be employed anywhere else. 
And of course, they know that Vanderbilt and the other corporations know that and they take advantage of that. Right. Yeah. So crazy yeah. To me. <laughs> Go travel. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, another thing that we're seeing a lot is conversation on social media about the future of nursing and healthcare. especially I think a lot of our audience are nursing students, new grads, and they're really sometimes even questioning going into the field yeah. and nervous about it. Right. What is what are your thoughts on that or what advice would you give to new I have been inundated with messages and emails from nurses and nursing students. So current nurses that are saying like, that's it, final straw, look at everything they've done to us the last two years. This is it, straw that broke the camel's back, I'm out turning in my two weeks. And then I'm hearing from just as many nursing students that are really at a crossroads. And it seems to be that if they're in, they're last semester or second to last semester, they're like, okay, I'm going to finish and get the degree, but I'm not going to use it. Or they're saying I'm cutting my losses. If they're earlier in their program, I'm cutting my losses. I'm out. I'm going to go do something else. So I, I don't think that we have even remotely begun to see the effect of this. You know, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time until we can really get some stats on nursing school admissions and graduations and that sort of thing to see how numerically it's impacting us. But make no mistake, it's impacting us. Yeah. I would argue too, I mean, in terms of, you know, Sam and I've talked about this. I really love Gen Z. I love you guys. And I know there's a lot of you out there right now. I just really hope that we do have some people who want to come into this profession and help make it better. There's one thing I love about Gen Z. It's their ability oh. to just start the conversation and stand their ground. Yeah, Absolutely. I have so much hope in Gen Z because they're they're not about having that, you know, archaic mentality of I'm going to work for a company and get the retirement and retire in 25 yeah. years. They they give zero fucks. They will be out in a hot second. Yeah, I love it. I do and, too. And that's that's it. what we yeah. need to Absolutely. hold you know, these organizations accountable administrators are losing their minds. Yeah. 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 Cause they've never faced that opposition where it's like, okay, this mass exodus of nurses traveling. It's all the young people that are like, I don't get paid enough for this Mm -hmm. shit. And they just leave and nursing administrators are like, I don't know what to do. How about you have better staffing, you pay them better. You do all these things that are going to keep them around because Mm -hmm. this new generation, like you said, gives zero bucks. Absolutely. They will be out. They don't care. And, and they stand up for themselves more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. I had one of my former nursing students um, message me saying that this is their, they listened to the episode. They're like, this is my biggest fear as a student is a medication error. And my advice to them was like, listen, you will make an error. I hope it's not a serious one and I hope it's not a deadly one. But honestly, don't ever let anyone rush you. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask a question and just, it doesn't matter. Stop and ask the question. Don't worry about sounding dumb or looking stupid, or like you don't know what you're doing, just stop and ask because you can't ever go back in time and say, I wish I would have stopped and asked someone. Always just don't be afraid to stop and ask. Don't be afraid to ask the question. And don't ever let anyone rush you, like stand your ground and say, listen, I'm busy. I've got this going on. I need to focus on this or I need to do this because everyone in healthcare is going to want to rush you and they're going to want more and more and more from you. So just stand up for yourself and say what, like stick, hold your ground. Yeah. And that's yeah. my best advice to you as a former nursing professor and someone who's worked in it for 10 years is just ask questions and stand your ground and tell people to hold on or wait or mm-hmm. yeah, time. They, they really need to. And, you know, my understanding is that Vanderbilt, 
their uh, Pixis or OmniCell are out in the hallway, you know, where patients can come up to you. Anyone can come up to you. They don't have a dedicated yeah, med room. Their children's hospital does. They're in I a think, dedicated oh. med room. But, and apparently, I don't know if it was the risk manager or someone early on when they designed units said, this is a problem. You need to put these in dedicated rooms. And they ignored them. They ignored them. So now they're... I'm shocked that that's right. the case. Like, that's I'm common shocked. sense. Have you ever worked somewhere where a Pixis... No, ever. That's a Pixis insane. to me, I've never seen a Pixis not in a medication room. Yeah. That is beyond... I've, I've seen me. it. And, and it tends to be a trend in newer facilities. I don't for the life of me know why. It's absolutely setting you up for failure. You, you know, you're absolutely going to have patients, family members coming up to you when you're trying to count your narcs or whatever you're doing, Right. It's, it's just bad. And they never have addressed it. It's been four years. What do you think is really the next move for our profession as a whole? Like, what should we all be learning from this? And, you know, how can we move forward in a, in a good way? You know, we just need to cohesively stick, stick together and demand change. This is the time, right? If the last two years haven't taught us anything, if this hasn't taught us anything, then we're never going to do it. But if we just keep tolerating it, or we just keep, you know, leaving here and there, I don't expect anything to change. It's not until we all demand change and stick together and stop being so divided on issues, right? That's absolutely paramount to the future of nursing. That's the part that I do think is is a little frustrating. I, you know, Sam and I have talked a lot about this as well. Just I feel like the divisiveness that nurses like to do. And this, mm-hmm. to me, it's it feels like loose, like kind of nurse bullying, mm-hmm. like where there's people who just want to say something and stick to it so hard. It's so, to them, it's black or it's right. white. And I'm like, that's just not the case. And you're not looking, that to me actually is not, that's not true leadership, right? right? To me, if you really want to be a true leader, you have to be able to see the full mm-hmm. picture. You have to really understand. And to me, taking the time to understand in this case with Redonda, what happened, what can we learn from it? And the not use this divisiveness to really try and get people to take sides and, you know, use all these like catchy clickbait things to try and get comments. And I'm like, this is just not, that's not the way that's not mm-hmm. the way to lead in our profession. And I'm just really I'm frustrated by that right now. I feel like I hope it starts getting better. I do really love the thoughtful creators that are coming out and really trying to have good conversations and, you know, really pull people in to understand. But there is, there's, there is also some devices. This is our opportunity to really take our profession and say, let's look at it on macro scale, big picture. What can we do to make it a better profession and better for our patients? And that like, we could be using this. Right. Two, yes, are we talking to our legislators? Who are we voting in mm-hmm. office? Right. Not just that DA, but everywhere. Like, what are we, this is our opportunity to really come together. And even though her case isn't directly tied to safe safe staffing or patient ratios and things like that, it's still all encompassing of what we're doing to protect patients and advance safety in this country. And we should be using this as a catalyst to move forward on all of these issues. Absolutely. And I I do have hope because there are so many nurses around the country that have really just latched Mm -hmm. onto this and are planning on coming to Nashville for her sentencing. It's really been impressive to witness that for the most part, nurses seem to be very cohesive on this issue. So I hope that this could hopefully be a, you know, a tipping point, right? A starting point, And we can stay on that trajectory. 
Do you know how Redonda's doing? You know, she's amazing. I hate the word resilient, but she's truly resilient. Uh, she's, she's out there taking care of her farm animals and taking care of her farm every day. And, you know, it's not that she's not concerned. She absolutely is. She says things frequently about, I need to like get my affairs in order in case, you know, and she jokes and says, if I do go to prison, I'm writing a book, you know, I'm using the time (laughs) and things like that. (laughs) Right. You know, be productive with your time. Exactly. (laughs) And what about the family? Yeah. Do you know anything about them or were they even, did they attend the trial? Has anyone kind of heard from them? They, they did the, uh, daughter-in-law, I believe two daughter-in-laws attended most of the trial, if not all of the trial. They, uh, one of them testified the first day she was the first witness and, uh, they were there most of the week. Yeah. I also, they were very quiet. They really didn't interact with anyone. I'm sure it was not a great experience for them for the obvious reason, but also because there was so much support for Redonda. And so even though no one means that to take away from their Mm -hmm. pain and suffering, I'm sure it would be difficult to witness that. If it were me, I would probably be like, what about, what about us? You know, what about us? Pretty traumatic for them. Well, you know, and this is kind of where I think also another big picture, right, is where I feel like the really sad part in this case is it is the patient in the middle, right? It's like you have, you have administrators Mm -hmm. and you have all of these things happening and then you have providers and it's literally the person in the middle the patient who's at the cost of this and it's really frustrating and I'm like this is where I want people to see the big picture in this Mm is like we can do so much better Mm -hmm. and I feel like if we start banding together start figuring out ways to make it better for our patients to really start understanding you know how to better help all of us who are in the field who are doing these things every day for our patients it's like we want the best for our patients So one thing I, when I used to teach pediatrics, I would start every first day of class and I would play them the Josie King story. So Josie King was a pediatric peds ICU patient at Johns Hopkins that passed away due to medical errors. And it wasn't even just on a certain nurse. It was like multifactorial between physicians and nurses and incorrect orders. And she was a burn patient um, in the PICU and then went down to step down and then she had her central line removed they she was still NPO though but had no more central line or IV fluids had like a dramatic 10% decrease in like weight loss so clearly severely dehydrated and then was mm-hmm. inappropriately given yeah. uh, methadone and pain medication and it, she arrested and obviously didn't make it from that. And then Josie King's mom started an entire patient safety initiative at Johns Hopkins. And I show that to my pediatric nursing students every day on the first day of class to say, look, errors happen. We're in pediatrics. That could be someone's child. But it's also so powerful that like that mom went, she's living her absolute hell and nightmare every single day. And she has other children and she's like, they're the only reason I'm still alive. And you can YouTube the video, Josie King's story. I always tell everyone, check it out. It's a phenomenal story to just kind of put it all into perspective of what we do. But she's turned this absolute tragedy into how can I improve patient safety at Johns Hopkins, one of the best hospitals in the country, without a doubt. So it wasn't at some rinky dinky shithole community hospital. And even Johns Hopkins said, wow, we fucked up. And they partnered with her family to really say, how can we make patient safety a priority here? And I just feel like 
we're missing the opportunity to do those things. Mm -hmm. Like Vanderbilt missed that opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. What an amazing story though. How inspirational that she was able to channel that pain for good. That's amazing. Yeah. I agree with you. Vanderbilt absolutely has had multiple missed opportunities throughout this process. I got this really interesting question and I'm curious because you are, you know, a nurse manager. Um, So one of the nurses was asking for anyone starting in a new job, whether it's a new grad or just someone looking for a job, what is something maybe they should be asking in their interviews to management? Is there anything that comes to mind that this case pertains to? You know, the one I always say is ask what the culture is like here, right? Ask what the culture. Now you can certainly ask, uh, has this organization, do they have a position on a position statement on this case? That would be very telling. And then if they're in a panel interview, which is pretty common these days, and you have any staff nurses on the panel interview, I always advise people to uh, direct a question only to the staff nurses and say, what's the most challenging thing about working here? Oh, that's a good one. Because, you know, the manager is going to give you a different answer, right? But you need the staff nurse to give you Mm -hmm. the reality. And then if you get a tour of the unit or you get an opportunity to shadow, which you can request in a lot of places before you make a decision on accepting a position, just come and shadow for six hours or whatever. Look at the nurses. Like they're, you're going to know oh, really? from watching That's the them. the best advice. Do they look pissed and exhausted? Yeah. yeah. Or do they look do they like have they're a moment okay to stop and they're and holding their own? Because if they don't, it probably means they're out of ratio and haven't gotten a break. Right. <laughs> exactly. Great advice. Yeah. yeah yeah. This one um, wasn't a question, but a huge thank you yes. from the listeners on how inspiring you are and for advocating so strongly for our profession. Oh, and how much time you've yous. taken to just build all this content yeah. and put this out. I, it's, I know it takes me like five hours just to make one TikTok. So like, <laughs> honestly, you got to appreciate how much like content you've been pumping out and information you've been giving us. God, it's so crazy. Like you are so good at it. It was exhausting. I know you, you Aww, just got home thanks. today, right? Or yesterday? Uh, no, okay. night before last, really get, late get, night get before last. Rest. So yesterday I literally was just catching up on oh emails and I'm still so behind. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it took a lot the last you week need and a half. Now. I'm so behind on everything. But. So what- oh my God, I really do. I was just talking about that today. Like I really, really do. But who can afford that? I don't even know yeah. what that costs. And then how do you trust someone to like give them all your logins? We, you know, it took us a while. I don't know. Yeah. We have our one. We, we have Jess that works with us. And we love yeah. her. She's like our lifeline. Uh-huh. We can't live without her. But yeah, it, it, I know it's 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 weird, right? Worth it, it was huh? for us. Yeah, it was worth yeah. it. So, yeah. I, I'm getting to that point because it's like too know, much to keep up. You're putting out a lot of content is. though, for sure. Um, so what are the best ways we can support Redonda in the yeah. next few months and just even the future of this case and everything? So there's a website, istandwithredonda.com. On there, they do have a way to donate. She's really not asking for donations, but so many people are inquiring about it. So there is an option on there to donate. There are t-shirts on there that you can purchase and all the proceeds go to Redonda. Uh, She has designed her own t-shirt for the day of sentencing. It's not quite available yet, but we anticipate it will be really soon. 
Um, and then we have the Facebook group, which I'm one of the administrators on, and it's Nurses March for Redonda Vought. And we're updating that one with any changes for sentencing or any major things in we the case. Like that as well. And then if someone, I, I'm going to link this as well. If someone wants to write a letter to the DA, Glenn Funk, do you have a suggestion of maybe something to include in the letter? Hmm. I would uh, talk if you're a nurse or a healthcare professional, I would talk about the impact that this is going to have long term, and how it's just going to create even less safe conditions for him or his family or friends whenever they end up hospitalized in the future. Because why is anyone going to be a nurse now who's going to take care of you? You know, Um, and I would absolutely support his opponent. Uh, Sarah Beth Myers, who's running against him. If you live in Nashville, please get out and vote. That election is like May 3rd. It's coming up. It's around the corner. And she's amazing. She's a rock star. Before the sentencing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And she has publicly stated, and she is an attorney, she's publicly stated that she would never criminally prosecute a nurse or healthcare professional for malpractice, that we have an entire civil litigation system set up just for this. Yeah. And if you guys want to check it out, Erica did a remarkable interview with her. It's on TikTok and I think on your Instagram as well. You guys should definitely check that out because I... Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about her. I thought she was, she's wonderful. And then also, um, she was the sentencing is May 13th, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, if people are interested in going, what's the best way? Just go to the Facebook group. I'm assuming is that the best way to learn more? About yeah. That? The nurses March for Redonda Vought Facebook group that has all the information and we will keep updating that. Uh, it's scheduled for nine in the morning. So we anticipate having some kind of a, a rally gathering probably 7 a.m. just prior to the sentencing. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what happens after that. Um, but having that show of support, you know, if everyone can show up wearing purple or something to represent Redonda, that's her favorite color. Uh, and just having that sea of nurses to show we're here in solidarity and this is not okay. You know, the judge has the opportunity to somewhat rectify this, right? I don't think that she can overturn the guilty verdict, but she has the uh, opportunity to give, say, probation or time served or um, like house arrest or community service. There are no minimum sentences in Tennessee, thank goodness. So she could make this slightly better. And I really think by nurses writing these letters and putting that support and showing up that that that's going to say something that's going to pressure her. We hope. Yeah. Will Redonda be a filing an appeal? Uh, you know, she hasn't really decided. Um, I think that's a possibility for sure. And she might be kind of waiting to see what happens with the sentencing to make that decision. And will the sentencing be live streamed? I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. I I would be shocked if it's not. Yeah. So follow Erica because you will post it if it is, I'm sure. I will. So where can everyone find you to kind of get um, updated on this and follow the case and everything like that? Yeah. So uh, the.nurse.erica on TikTok and Instagram and Nurse Erica page on Facebook that I recently started. Please follow me there. I need followers on Facebook. (laughs) Mm. Um, and, um, 
We'll I'm on Twitter too. at, thank you. And I'm on Twitter at nurse be brave. Also you offer, um, are you still doing consultations or, um, doing work with coaching? Are you I do. That? Yeah, I do all sorts of things. I do like, uh, resume critiques and interview preparation. Um, I yeah. do consults helping nurses get out of employment contracts, um, salary Ooh. negotiations, and oftentimes it's just like I've been put on a PIP, a, a performance improvement plan, and I don't know how to handle this. And my, I think my manager's out to get me. Like, what, what can I do? You know, it's those mm, kind of random okay. sort of things. It's all over the place. Awesome. Well, you are a huge resource. So you guys definitely head over fall Erica. And if you need one of her resources, check out, check her out. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and just giving us this big recap. I think when we did our piece last week, it was before the verdict even. So mm -hmm. it's been nice. I just want to give really... you a big hug. I can't yes. wait to Aww. meet you. I'm so excited. We're going to meet I, you eventually. I know. We're so excited. We love you, Erica. Thank you Aww, for thank everything you. you're truly doing for our profession. We are so thankful for your time. We know you've you've had a long, yes, a long get couple some weeks. Rest. So <laughs> thank you so much. a busy couple weeks. You're welcome. It was fun. I'm glad we could do this. Well, I feel like we've had some heavy episodes about all of this stuff, but mm -hmm. I think that it's our duty to be talking about this trial in Tennessee, to be talking about what's going on in Philadelphia with Christiane. Like, Absolutely. Just, it needs to These be are conversations about. we need to be talking about. We need to be platforming and sharing with you guys. I think, you know, and again, as we've said, like, we really, really want this to be something where we can all learn from this and take this and make it better for a profession because it's not our even, patients. it's not even just an rn thing it's rns cnas, LPNs, CNAs doctors er tech surgeons everyone yeah this affects Everybody. all of us yep all of us together as a profession in healthcare. And these are the conversations we really wanted to platform. So thank you guys so much for listening. We have linked everything there for you in the bio. So if you are interested in writing a letter, signing the petition, getting involved in some way, you absolutely can. Um, we're also going to link the article that we found for Christiane's case as well. Um, so if you guys are interested in learning more about that, you can collect that there. And thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. You can find all of our goodies there linked in the bio for you, all of our partners and the savings just for you and please download subscribe rate and review go on spotify drop us those five stars and if you leave us a review on apple Podcasts, just leave your ig tag name and handle whatever it's called in your <laughs> review and we will hit you up send you some free stickers goodies swag all that good stuff awesome and make sure you're following us on our insta that's at nurse tori and at hey samantha with two a's and we'll see you next week bye bye, bye.